Y'all set? Yup. Ham. Ham. Welcome to 60 Cycle Ham. That's going to be our Christmas episode, 60 Cycle Ham. <laughs> Hey everyone, I'm Ryan. And I'm Steve, and this is 60 Cycle Hum, the guitar buying, selling, trading, mining, fixing, breaking, reviewing, playing podcast. Yep. What is tone, Steve? It's that knob. It's that knob that make your highs go away. Who asked this, us that? I had I, Donald Straighton. Okay, you had it written down. Donald Straighton asked what us. What is tone? What is tone, baby don't hurt me? He said, this, this is the exact quote from the Facebook group. What is tone and why can't I find it? So... I don't, how do you like in terms of what guitarists are talking about when we talk about tone? What do you what do you think tone is, Steve? Um, I think tone is whatever sound that you're making that serves the song. So but the, to- the tone, but it's like not, but it's like if you, but it, the, whatever the dry foundation is of that, the dry foundation of that. Yeah. Well, the yeah, I would say the dry found, like what explain that to me. So what I'm is saying, the dry foundation I'm saying of like, tone? I'm saying like you pickups through dirt. If that's your tone, then that's if that's like the core to your sound. So you're saying your that that's the tone, but if you add on top of that, then the things you add are not the the dry tone. Right. So if you add a reverb or chorus, that's not the tone. Right. Chorus is iffy. No, chorus is pitch. Chorus isn't tone. <laughs> no, I, I guess like if you if something changes both like does some kind of modulation or does some kind of thing and also like rearranges the EQ of your sound at the same time, then maybe that is also part of your tone. Like tone is I mean this this is fodder for the Gearsum podcast. Like, you know. They want death to tone over there. I'm not against tone. I don't hate tone the way those boys do, uh, but I think it is. It's one. It's it's like vibrato versus tremolo on Fender amps. Like it's right. it's become like a thing where like the word doesn't mean what it's actually supposed to mean within our culture. Well, what do you think? Our guitar culture. When when somebody says like don't t-, when your mom when your mom says don't take that tone with me, young man. <laughs> Like <laughs> she's talking about scooping my mids. She's yeah. like, please stop scooping your mids, Ryan. Do not take that tone with me. That's not acceptable. Um, I mean, when I think of what is probably the actual definition of tone, mm-hmm. then it's like a bell tone. Like it is a note. It is a tone. Like it's right. But that's like, but that's not the way guitarists use it. Yeah, We use it to describe the, the, t- the, what is it? How to pronounce the timber timber. The timbre, timbre, timbre. That's the word. The timbre of the note. The filtered qualities of the note. Like every every part of a guitar rig takes something away from the original signal. The pickups don't. Hashtag Paul Reed Smith. Don't. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Guitars are subtractive instruments. Thanks, thanks, Paul. Um, The pickups don't pick up the full range of what the string is doing. Right. And then that signal gets filtered by the onboard electronics Mm -hmm. in the guitar, Mm -hmm. which gets filtered by the length 
and the qualities of the cable, which gets filtered mm-hmm. by everything on your pedal board, which then gets filtered by, you know, everything in the guts of your amp. Sure. Which then finally gets filtered by the speaker itself. Speakers can sound wildly different mm-hmm. from each other. Mm-hmm. The speakers are probably the biggest filter in your signal chain. Mm-hmm. And then you're putting a microphone in front of it to record it, which also filters your signal. And then you get it into post, and then you start filtering your signal again. Like, I think everything start, everything after the string vibrating, everything picking it up and transferring that signal. But that's your tone. It's not, that is not the tone, but it is contributing to this tone that guitarists talk about, which is, you know, the way that we describe the characteristics of the signal, not mm-hmm, the note. Mm-hmm. It's not about the note. No, because you it's can a, play different. You can play a different note with the same tone. The same tone. Different notes, same tone. It's not different tones. <laughs> I I think that's the way I think about it. Is the definite like defining and describing the unique filtering of any one signal. Right, and so the, I I think that's what I mean though by. So if you add on a delay or a reverb or whatever, you're taking whatever the fundamental tone is that's going in and you're like a delay, you're repeating it. But then right. that's why I'm also With a saying, reverb, you're blurring it. Right. And that's also where, where I'm saying like it gets iffy because if you have um, like a tremolo. Right. Um, or a tremolo high. Trim, yeah, or trim, trim low or trim high, trim high. That has, that should be a pedal. That has a volume knob. Um, that means in most cases, and probably like most of the cases, if you have one of those, that your tremolo has some kind of preamp in it. Oh, sure. So now, even it, if it doesn't have a volume knob, it has to. It has to do something with the signal. I'm sure. I'm sure it has to boost it in some way. I forget how it works, but I know at least specifically like the ones with the volume knob where you can turn it up. Right. Like we'll have I mean, like there, a preamp. There and, are like trims that I've used that it's like, man, this sweetens up the tone. Like yeah. it's doing more than modulating the volume. Or, or I guess like a really easy example would be. Like uh, they can like warm a, it up. Like uh, the uh, Echoplex. Right. Tape delay. Right. Um, that it's the preamp in that is such a popular circuit that there is a bunch of like the exotic EP booster Uh where people have taken that and like made a standalone boost out of it. Uh, And there's a, uh, there's a bunch of those on the market. So people have decided like this boost, this boosted sound is a key part of my tone. Right. They've separated out from the echo part. Yeah. Now the echoes, you know, you could say, you could talk about like the tone of repeats on a degrading, like analog delay, but I wouldn't say like, Oh, that's that guitar's tone or that, that, that is, your tone on this song or whatever, I would say the mix of the EQs and everything else, that's your tone. Mm. So now we need to get into this. Now that we fully described and cracked the nut of what tone is and isn't like, this is, this is the document the internet will reference for the rest of time. When Steve and I describe what is and isn't tone, how, how do you find tone now? Like, why can't he, Um, why can't he get tone? I, I think I think we're like the way it's talked about on the internet, often in a joking sense, is like, "Oh, you got no tone. Oh, oh, this guy's got tone." Like, it, 
It's yeah. like you either have it or you don't. Like, But if it is just a term to describe the characteristics of what you're hearing, like everyone has tone. Yeah, it's just not always what they have want to hear. T-O-N-E. Not everyone has T-O-A-N. You want that tone. Toan. Yeah. If you like everyone, everyone has the correct spelling. Not everyone has that mm. A in there. When you get that tone with the A in there, yeah. You put a little bit of like guttural into it. tone. Yeah. Like you can feel it. I got a I got a question. <laughs> what how do you define a machine? A machine? What is something what do, what kind of I don't know where this is coming from, but I'll try. A, a well, because a lot of people are like, oh, man, that's a tone machine. Oh. So either a machine in that context is a device that manufactures tone mm-hmm. or it is a device that operates fueled by tone. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. <laughs> I was thinking about this. In it the probably means that, a manufacturing machine that manufactures that, stone. Like, I actually don't know what the basic definition of a machine is. And maybe it's because there's multiple definitions. Like a micro machine is like a little car. And I think of like, oh, as a car is a machine. It's got a bunch of moving parts. Right. Uh, but then I think about a machine shop is just a shop that manufactures a bunch of little parts. Like now you're getting into specifics of like motor versus motor. Motor versus oh motor versus motor yeah I was thinking of motor like, versus motor yeah, yeah versus Mordor Mordor <laughs> versus Muckduck <laughs> I was thinking I was actually thinking more like I almost feel like this is like the difference between a motor and an engine right but there is there is mo motor er and motor or which is electric versus uh, combustion. What's motor ER? Motor. I've never heard that word. Maybe I'm mixing this up in my head. A motor is a motor. I don't know. This is this is <laughs> Brian's <laughs> once an episode big dumb moment. Um, where I've had some trivia in my head that I've mangled somehow. So so anyway, <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think most people one again, like I was saying, like the tone is about fitting the song, like Right. If you and I guess part of that is like, oh, here's my clean tone. Here's my clean yeah, here's my clean tone or whatever. Here's my right. here's my clean sound. Like nobody cares what Billy Billy Corgan's clean sound is. I mean I made a reference. we right. talked about this a few weeks well, ago. Well people say that it, there's a very practical reason people say here's my clean tone in guitar product no, demos. It's like here's what I'm starting with, this is what will happen yeah. when I run yeah. this through like even a clean amp is still a filter everything involved is still a filter and so different setups that are clean will still affect like a dry pedal right you know i'm just saying that to be along the lines of like the tone has to fit the song so you know you know dimed big muff pie works great for smashing pumpkins yeah maybe not so good for um you know honestly well, like, it's probably good for everything. Knowing actually. knowing what Billy Corgan's clean tone sounds like would probably be more useful to people <laughs> than everyone trying to chase the exact model of muff that he was using and trying to replicate the muff right. side of it. I bet that if you had his clean signal, his his signal without the muff, that rig, yeah. you could throw just about any muff at it and it would mm-hmm. sound you know, like smashing pumpkins. No, that's probably true. 
Like the muff has its own characteristics for sure. Right. But I think the rest of the rig after that makes a bigger difference. I think there's also something to be said for the fact that, you know, we're talking to, we made the Andy joke, you know, here's my clean tone. But the fact that he's saying, here's my clean tone, here's my dirty tone. You know, he's, this is the tone with no effects. Clean tone implies the existence of a coming dirty tone. Yeah. Yeah. No, but I'm just saying like, so there's like, there should be a pedal that takes, so when someone says I'm trying to find my tone, it could mean a lot of things. Like if you're using like, if part of, you know, you're saying, oh, here's a perfect example, like cocked wah. Cocked wah is like a really cool tone, a really, really cool way to get like a Mm -hmm. a lo-fi sound. You don't want that all the time. No. That's a, that's a unique tone. Yeah. How do you find your tone? Let's just start with all the knobs at noon and then just twist them a little. <laughs> I want less of this. Yeah. I want more of oh, this. But, I, I mean, want you were, less of that. I want more of that. You're talking about fitting the song and that's literally the best way to find a tone that works is already have a recording or be in a situation with other musicians where you can hear what they sound like mm-hmm. and just, you literally just twist knobs until you're in the mix where you want to be. Right. And it's going to, I promise you, once the track is done or once the band isn't playing, you're going to be like, really? This is the sound that was right. cutting through the mix? This sounds terrible. You would never dial in those sounds yeah. on your own, like, de- like fully depending on what genre and style you're in. But more often than not, like the, the sound the tone description of, mm-hmm. of the notes that you're playing will sound terrible by itself and then sound great in a mix. Well, it's also why like everyone, you know, there's, there was such a wave of like people want to mid scoop everything, right? You know, because that's what my favorite new metal band sounds like. Now well, that was like, that was the nineties and the early two thousands. Yeah, but it's, it's like, like scoop, scoop, but scoop, they scoop, scoop so hard in like small spaces or in their bedroom or whatever, not realizing like they scoop so hard and they scoop. scoop so far. And in the end, it didn't even matter. Yeah. Cause no one could hear you. <laughs> yeah. the, the worst one. I know I've told this story like a bunch of times, but there was a band that uh, we had at the park gallery mm-hmm. where the guy had like a line six spider half stack. And he had it turned basically all the way up and you still couldn't hear him in the back. They made those things into half stacks. And I went up there and I was like, yeah, yeah. He's like, I, can I get more of myself? Can I get more? I'm like, no, no, you just need more mids. Yeah. Like, yeah, no mids. And you couldn't hear You it. need some mids. You could hear it when nothing else was happening. But as soon as somebody like hit a signal or a, there's a symbol or right. the singer was singing, your the guitar was gone. There's a time and a place for scooping your mids. Like there's a time that works. And there's mixes where that really, really works. And what it does is it makes you sound huge while you're yeah. by yourself because it's just yeah. all rumbling lows and then these bright, crispy, crispies on like mixed into it. And that, that mid is like that kind of like woody honk that's mm-hmm. in the middle. And if you're playing some chugga chugga metal, you're like, I don't want that honk. But then you don't realize like when the rest of the band is playing, the bass is dominating those lows. Yeah. The bass drum is hitting those lows as well. The cymbals and the crashes and the snares and everything is taking all those highs. And so mm-hmm. you've got nothing left. So you need to figure out how to make your mids sound the way that you actually want to yeah. sound. Yep. It feels good. It feels really good to have that big like chugga chugga 
like bassy low end going on, but in the vast majority of bands, that's not where the guitar wants to yeah. live. Like you want, you want to be like this nasal, quacky, honky sort of sound, which mm-hmm. sounds terrible at home. <laughs> so okay, so uh, you're going to store or whatever, mm-hmm. picking up a guitar you never played before. You just plug it into whatever amp you can find. Um, how do you go about? Like, I th- I think we all have like a sound in our heads of what we want this mm. experience to sound like. But how do you usually go about finding that the quickest for you? For me, I mean, when I sit down, it used to be that I thought I knew how to dial in an amp. And I'd sit down and just, well, I'm going to turn the highs up here, the lows there, and the mids right there. Now, every time I sit down at a new amp, I, I put everything at noon. Yeah. I just start yeah. there. And it like, you know, then I'll then I'll start tweaking stuff. Mm-hmm. Then I'll be like, oh, it needs more lows. needs more. It needs more or less mids. It needs more highs. Like you don't know, like every amp, is, you know, the center center position on an EQ on an amp doesn't mean anything going from one yeah. amp to the next. Like yeah. it's it's different positions. <laughs> I went to uh, I went to Guitar Center a few weeks ago and I plugged in. Uh, what guitar was it? I don't remember what guitar it was. Might have been a Reverend. Mm. I don't know. It doesn't matter. I plugged it into Vox though, and I I normally don't play Voxes. Uh, and that's exactly what I did. And, and you, a lot of times you can tell like right away too. It's like you hit that first note and you're like, yeah, that's a lot of bass. <laughs> yeah. Or actually yeah. in this case, I think if this was one of those, uh, Vox amps that was, uh, just basically the top boost mm. channel from a Vox AC there, just like, mm, don't need that, that many highs, dial that down. It didn't take very long to like dial in something that I liked that I was like, I could sit here and mess around for a little bit. I had an interesting I could sit here and mess around until they kicked me out. I had an interesting experience at Sweetwater. I uh, was filming a video, which I obviously haven't posted yet, um, where I was shooting out the Tone Master Super Reverb against mm-hmm. the, the tube version of the Super Reverb. Oh, cool. And uh, you know, I'll save the judgment for later. You guys can watch that and figure it out for yourself weeks, months from now when I actually get around to publishing it. Um, but something very interesting is that on the Tone Master version, mm-hmm. you turn up the reverb and it's like you just increase the reverb and it stayed really clear and pristine. On the tube version, when I had the volume pretty high yeah. on the uh, the super reverb, turning up the reverb actually like it it felt like there was a preamp boosting the mids. Hmm. Like all of a sudden all those mids started to bloom out and bleed into the rest of the signal. And it actually became a very mid heavy sound Interesting. with the reverb turned up. Uh, so that was, you know, that was a trick that they missed programming the, uh, the tone master. Right. But then right. at the same time, I was like, I kind of like the clarity of the reverb on the tone master <laughs> versus yeah. what yeah. has happened to this tube thing when it's turned all the way up. And I've got, you know, the, the reverb turned up pretty generously. Now it's turned into this kind of, you know, murky mess of mids, but that might have sounded amazing in a band mix. And it's like, how do you know unless you dragged both of them to band practice? <laughs> well, well, one of them you'd literally be dragging to band oh, practice. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. One. Have you picked one of those things up yet? No. Dude, super reverb, mm-hmm. four by ten. Mm-hmm. I literally picked up the entire thing with one finger. Like, I'm not joking. <laughs> and it was like I could walk I could walk across the room holding it with one finger like this isn't like a stunt like right. it's, they're really that light wow it was bonkers like 
I still can't believe how light this, like you, you pick it up and you're like, there's no way just the wood and the Tolex of this box is that light. Right. And then you've got an amp and four speakers in here too. Like it makes no sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, we live in a simulation. That's the only explanation. We live in a society. <laughs> we live in a society that lives in a simulation, Steve. Wow. And we happen to have amps that weigh nothing now. Apparently they just weigh nothing. Apparently. And I, I think that was my big question at the end of that video is like, they sound different right. in certain ways. But which one are you actually going to gig? Mm-hmm. You know, like I I had a 4x10 Classic 50 that weighed about as much as that Super Reverb, the tube one. Right. I was done. I was done taking <laughs> it. I was done moving it around the house. Yeah. You yeah. know, but that, that Tone Master Super Reverb, I'd have no problem gigging with that. Like it's bulky, it's big, but it's still like I'm not going to hurt myself moving it in and out of my car and like, you, you take the, you know, everything is a compromise, no matter what, even what you might think is like your dream rig yeah is a compromise in some direction. If you're a weakened warrior, like, like, I mean, going back to tone, like it's a different tone from two different technologies of amps, but which one practically right. are you going to choose? You I, know, I think a lot of times that really depends on, um, I guess how much you care, whether or not, you know, that compromise means you have less fun. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, if it's you're like, it's like car people, like I hear car people all the time. Yeah. All the who time. Are like, he, Steve is always listening to car people where, where they're like, Oh yeah, I got this car. Da, 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 top speed, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, why? <laughs> Where are you going so fast? Where, where, I mean, and there's, I think there's, I think in my head, right? Anything less than like, you know, that's I how don't know, like a six or seven second sixty. I'm like, why? Right. Oh, cool. Like the, I, and like my, uh, everyone's you know hot on. Well, there's a lot of there's a lot of cool cars on the market, I guess, but uh, all of the new like Tesla S Model right. S and whatever zero to sixty in like three seconds, and it's like. Cool. So you got to the end of the on ramp in three seconds, and now you're slowing back down. Yeah, to yeah. <laughs> Thirty miles an hour because you're in traffic. You live in a city. But it's like you know, I get, I get the thrill of it. I rode, you know, I. Again, well, it's like the same thing with you know us and all this crap that we like yeah, collect. I, I think like, it was the never... second or third Nam I went to. I rode in Doug Cower's Porsche. Yeah. Well, it like, wasn't he, his Porsche. It was a rental. His, 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 the, he rented a Porsche. They like uh, he had a bunch of frequent renter. Yeah bucks saved up to rent a Porsche at Nam, and that was a trip but literally we went like zero to 80 on an on-ramp or an all like getting onto the freeway and then we're, we're just in traffic right right it's like that was thrilling for two and a half seconds and now we're done a friend used to let me uh drive his uh i think it was a 98 mustang mm. one of those ones that just like is a secret beast yeah um like he couldn't afford to insure it at a certain point <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like you know that big hill coming up from uh, Serena Valley up yeah. to uh, up to the rim of the canyon down from us. Geography talk, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. like just accelerating all the way up that thing. Like Jeez. I, I if I had if I had pushed it, I could have caught air at the top of that hill, like because it would have just turned it into an airplane. 
Yeah. It's yeah. a it's a straightaway, but it like it gets really steep and it's just like this long drive up a hill. Mm-hmm. And it was just like I'm in third and I'm going faster than I've ever gone in my life. Here we go to fourth. Oh my gosh, I'm not going to make it to fifth gear like I mean and, and I guess you know that is the other side of that is like my car, that hill, if I have like two adult passengers right. with me, I can barely make it up the hill. Yeah. So if I have two pa- adult passengers with me and like a guitar amp in the trunk, yeah. Probably need to find an alternate route. <laughs> you know what? Like, it's easy to complain about the costs of our of our hobby. Yeah. But I couldn't take everything behind me and trade it in for a sports car. Like, there's not enough money yeah. involved. <laughs> like, one sports car. Like, there's people out there. You have to get, like, an old sports car. Their hobbies is just, like, collecting things like that and working on them and throwing thousands of dollars into the wind on these things. And, and I'm, I'm glad that I'm not tempted to do that with my life. Yeah. And so I think, you know, the combo topic, although this, this channel might be more interesting, is, uh, Mark, um, MD, MJ, G Y Brone, whatever. Let's call him Mark. Mark, uh, you know, asked basically, you know, what's the, what's the point of tone chasing? Like no one, he didn't put it that way, but basically it's like, why did guitarists obsess over right. dialing in this perfect sound that like, you know, in a, in a live room is, I, I mean, I, I guess I kind of get it for recording, but in a live room, it's like, uh, we're chasing thrills, man. You're just doing it for yourself. And and that's exactly it. You're chasing thrills. Like same as the sports car people. We're just chasing thrills, you know? And, and that's, and that's like, that's kind of every hobby. And you're going to see people in the comment section on this video saying that it's chasing status. And I think for some people that totally is true. Yeah. But I, I've never, I've never gone that direction with my own like personal inclinations. So I, it's hard for me to think that way, but I'm sure people are doing it for status as well. And all, all sorts of other, you know, <laughs> psychological reasons that they need to fill a void I, in their life. But I like think, chasing the thrill is definitely like what I could accuse myself of. I think everyone has some kind of third life, midlife, whatever crisis oh, sure. chase. And, um, I mean, what do you think this is? <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've, uh, I've recently been thinking a lot about getting a longboard, a long, like a skateboard, like a skateboard. Oh, don't do it. Um, you're going to hurt yourself. (laughs) I I tried to do that like a year ago and I hurt myself. Well, here's the rub, right? Like I never owned a longboard as a kid. I would like borrow my friends. There's maybe like a one or two year period where like a couple times a week I'd skate around at school. Steve, I'm going to tell you the age appropriate version of a longboard that you should get. Get yourself an e-bike and call it a day. Oh my like, gosh. <laughs> something you can sit on and you're going to wear a helmet and you're not going to fall and bust up your well, elbows so and somebody, your knees. Somebody told me I should get a cruiser. A beach cruiser? Like no, like the the little like the tiny skateboards that are making oh, a Oh, like a penny farthing sort of I thing. I don't know what they're called. Yeah, they're the little plastic ones with the the yeah, but the appar- wheels. apparently, yeah, well, I don't know if they're like what, uh, yeah, I don't know. They're just like, they used to be like a big thing, I think in the seventies. Right, right. They're, they're like a real loose truck design. So yeah. They, they actually. No, that's the type of skateboard that my, my dad had when I was a kid. Yeah. And that's what I learned to skate on, but they were all like the open bearing wheels. And mm. like he had, he had an old one that had clay wheels, which oh. was super dangerous. Oh, really? <laughs> Cause oh, cause they just crack, would, right? No, you would turn and it would slide. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
But the, the new ones are way better than the old ones were. They're similar in like design, but the trucks are way better. Apparently, the new ones, like someone was telling me, the new ones are, ba- are you know, they handle. Right, they, they handle a lot like a longboard. Like they're designed to do that same kind of like long carve right thing, but they're like tiny. The problem is, as I see them, and I'm like, where do, where do my feet go? <laughs> <laughs> it's one foot at a time. They're basically a roller skate. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like that's like my my entry into like, oh, is this a midlife? Am I entering a midlife crisis phase where I just want a longboard? Right. So when I get stressed out at work, I can just go outside and pull this thing out of the trunk of my car. And ride around the building like three or four times and then go back inside. I used to just skate up and down the street when I was a teen. Just up and down, up and down. I had to I had to move my body in some way or I was gonna go yeah. insane, you know. I don't I, I mean I'm telling you, man, like a year and a half ago or something like that, I rode my old longboard up and down the street to impress mm-hmm. my kid, which mm-hmm. I did. And then I went in for like a deep carve, like a deep turn, and the wheels caught on the board ah. underneath and it's you know, it 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 stalled out. It stopped. Yeah. But I didn't stop. I, I kept going and I landed on the ground and Ooh. it took too long to heal from that. So I'm not going to do it again. <laughs> so anyway, all that being said, like all there's all these, there's all these hobbies and some of them are midlife crises. And I think you can, I, I, I can't think of a hobby where somebody else couldn't come by and be like, well, why don't you just do this? Right. You there's know, always the practical argument people always talk about whether it's like oh why are you buying a sports car you could just take the bus there there might there might be like some extremely i've I've heard some people say that like extremely practical applications for hunting right but there's also the people who are like yeah i'm a hunter but also like i hunt and i'm gonna i'm gonna get my one or two deer kills in the fall and that's that you know those Deer are going to feed my family off and on for the next like three months or whatever. Right, right. You know, it's cheaper than buying a cow <laughs> kind of a thing. And, and, but at the same time, they do that. And like, it's not like they just went out and bought like, I just, most people who I feel like who do this, they're not just going out and buying some like basic camo. Right. And they're going to buy. You don't even need camo. Like, you, you go out, you go out in plain clothes with your grandpa's old 30-06 exactly that's got you know it doesn't even have a clip it's you know a single yeah. single bolt action and you can get a deer yeah but the the you know with any hobby the fun is in acquiring all this gear yeah. and every I, trinket and doodad and stuff like that you know i got i got i carry three telescopes one right. at 110x 120x 130x no i don't want the adjustable one because th- those lenses just aren't as good i need the I need prime lenses off for so, my hunting scopes. It's been a long time. I used to hunt. I used to hunt with, with my dad and mm-hmm. uncle and cousins mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And I did went and did hunter's training and, and gun safety training and all that stuff. And something that I've always remembered from hunter's training is that there's all these products out there to wash your clothes with because deer can see ultraviolet light. And if you wash your camo with normal detergent, it glows. <laughs> To a, deer, to, a, to a deer's eye. It doesn't matter that you're wearing camo. Oh so there's like gosh. products out there that they advertise to you like, oh, wash your clothes with this so that you don't, Jeez. you know, glow with UV light. <laughs> yeah, so like I'm, it doesn't, like, you know, any, any wild animal, doesn't matter if it's a deer, a squirrel, a pheasant, they see you coming. Yeah. So, I mean, there's always some kind of like auxiliary, you know, expensive thing. Right. And, and they all vary 
and it's worth it if if you enjoy it. I mean, like right. it, it, it depends on what kind of enjoyment you want. Unfortunately, in you know, in some cases, it's like could have spent some more time on lessons. Like, <laughs> no, that's never gonna happen. I I I, uh, I haven't bought anything in a while. Um, but I know people who will go out. I've known people who will go and they don't really know what they're buying, or maybe they've done a little bit of research. And so they go in the, to a sporting goods store and they buy like a $200, $250, $300 softball bat. Right, right. Whatever. I was wondering if you're still on the hunting thing. No. It's like, where's this going to um, go? And then they're like, oh, I got this new thing. And like when they make good contact, they hit the ball well and whatever, but they're they're not very consistent or they're not their eyes aren't as well trained or whatever. And it's like, yeah, the or, and they and then the next like two years later they buy another bat. Oh, this is the newest bat. Da, 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 da. It's like after you bought the first bat, you probably should have just taken the next two hundred dollars and like done you know twenty rounds over the course of like six months at the batting cages. Like you'd be a lot better than just waiting two years and buying another bat. Right, like, the right. The bat at this point is not the problem. Like they're not getting the bats aren't changing every two years. At least they're not changing enough for, you know, Thursday night softball guy to imagine, get that much benefit from it. Imagine getting to the place with guitar where you make the decision to buy something because you're like, I've hit the, I've hit the extreme limits of my ability and <laughs> only this device, only this product will help me get over this. Hump. We don't shop like that. No, no one goes no. like, Oh man, it, like I've hit the limits of any everything that I can do. My skill is at its absolute limit, and the only way I can get over this hump is if I have a, a new yeah. fuzz pedal. Like it's, it's and, not and how it works. And there is like a physicality to like a piece of sports equipment. Sure, that like that where it actually does. You can actually well, reach think, the limit of that gear. But I think like, you're trying to to shred if you're a shred guitarist, and you started out on. You know, like uh, you know, some crummy squire or something oh, yeah. like that. Yeah, and you're like, man, I I've hit the limit. Like, it, honestly, like it's it's the fretboard radius. I can't do what I yeah. need to do on this fretboard yeah. radius. Then it's like, yeah, now you need to go get yourself an RG or something like yeah. that. So like that, you can do the physical thing that you need to do. Right, but, but there's you, so but little you, in gear that is you know has that going on. Right. If you've already got, I think most people think they hit their physical limit long before they've oh, actually sure. hit their physical limit. I mean, if I sat down, also, like you just kind of want stuff. You gotta, you gotta, yeah. you gotta get that stuff. That's the hobby is exploring all this stuff, you know? And honestly, like if you want to shred, that's great. If you want to play like a classical, you know, finger picker shredder sort of thing, that's great too. You get to work up the skills to do that. If you want to be some sort of, you know, jazz virtuoso, do that, mm-hmm. like work on the skills. But the vast majority of music that the vast majority of us listen to is, four or five chords with five or six notes played over it. Like that's the reality. <laughs> Maybe five or six notes and chords in different orders across <laughs> the length of the song. So like, Oh, there's, there's a lot of parts in the song. It's still the same notes and chords right, across right. the song. Come on. We've spent a lot of time talking about tone. Tone is a really big topic. Maybe we should tone is a big topic. Maybe we should talk about one of our sponsors. Oh, is that what we want to do? Yeah, I mean, we're almost oh, 40 yeah, minutes into this. Yeah, we should. Um, this week's first sponsor is Bigger Pedals. Mm-hmm. You got some boxes over they sent, there. They sent me some things a few weeks ago, and then 
Ryan's wife got COVID. Yeah. Um, this one says Black Betty on here. Bam, blam. That's a Black Betty fuzz. This is a Betty White fuzz. Can I open it all the way? You can open that one all the way. I'll open this one over all the way. Isn't there a song all the way that I could be singing right now? There it is. The little Probably. Black Betty fuzz. kind of wish I'd plugged these in. And before. the little Betty White fuzz. Yeah. Black Betty and Betty White. They're a matched pair. Yeah. Uh, it's for, from what oh, I understand. Oh, that's why there's a. It comes with a screwdriver because there's a little oh, trim pot. Oh, there's a little trim pot in there. I don't know what it does. I'll have to. Oh, it's probably uh, gain, bias like or, gain or tone. Yeah. yeah, this is probably a volume knob on the front, so maybe that is the gain. I don't. I don't remember what these circuits are supposed to be like. They're they're fuzzes, Ryan. Knob is volume. Controls the pedals. Oh. Shout level. Shout level. Yeah. Uh, the trim pot is a uh, bass boost. Ah, yeah. Bass boost adds more low end as the trim pot Interesting. turns. Interesting. Counterclockwise. So there's no there's no gain control. It's just volume and uh, a bass control. And then what was this? Was this that is the shaka? The shaka or chaka? Chaka? I don't know. Isn't chaka the uh, the creature from? Oh, it's a red one. It's an octopus. You got three fuzzes from bigger, dude. Yeah, man. <laughs> Isn't Chaka the uh, the monkey creature from Land of the Lost? I ha- I do not know. Land of the Lost nerds out there, confirm or deny? Is that the name or name of the monkey creature? I asked Grant where the name came from, or at least I intended to, and either I didn't ask, or I I don't know, or I asked and I got an answer and I forgot. Uh, but this. Is I mentioned this when you first talked about these boxes. This is one of three big ear pedals chakas. I can't wait to see you flip that on reverb for two thousand um, dollars. Yeah, <laughs> and it's the only one in this color because the chaka is normally a uh, a little darker red. Yeah, so you have a unique thing cool. there. This is a uh, it's basically uh, it's an octopus. Someday Steve is going to retire with all the stuff that he's collecting that is all like unique colorways and stuff like that you're just gonna be like you know what today i'm gonna sell it all now i'm at peak market and uh i'm gonna retire after this colorways one more pedal then i'm out of the game i actually you know it's funny uh someone was asking if they could borrow uh my albi and then i would kind of reminded myself because i had forgotten that the albi that i have is also a unique color (laughs) you're a sucker for that that was just what was available at the time. Sure. I wasn't even like chasing it. Actually, that one, <laughs> that one, he just sent me. So huge thanks to Big Ear Pedals. Yeah, this for, is cool. for supporting us, sponsoring us, being good friends of this show. We greatly appreciate it. Uh, Grant, you know, remember how last episode I said that Azor was going to send me a hundred pedals? Mm-hmm. Well, it sounds like there's going to be more than a hundred. I've received like a hundred and ten so far. They're in boxes down in front of the desk here. Uh, Grant was talking about possibly be being a source for some of the gear to do a big uh, shootout video with those. We Ooh. haven't worked out all the details yet, but it is possible that he will be helping. Even if he doesn't end up helping in gear, I know he'll be helping in spirit. Yeah. So however it turns out, you know, Grant has, has offered to aid us in our ridiculous reverb journey. And by the way, guys, lots of people have been asking uh, with open hands, like, can I has reverb? And of course, <laughs> if someone has over a hundred reverb pedals that are all the same reverb, that's an appropriate time to ask, can I has reverb, please? Yeah, we yeah. are working on a way 
to distribute not just those reverb pedals, but I have I have a box of uh, of affordable pedals on the floor down here. Mm-hmm. I counted them. What did I say? 63, 65? Something like that, yeah. I'm in the 60s, and I still have a lot of affordable pedals to sort through, so I might end up with close to 100 affordable pedals that I need to get out of here. Um, we are working uh, towards the goal of having a P.O. box. Yep. And once we have a P.O. box, we're going to be able to publicly advertise an address. And what I'd like to do is have people send in postcards, letters, whatever can have a return address written or printed on it. Mm-hmm. And we'll just pull, you know, letters or postcards out of a hat, a box, whatever, and be like, who's getting, you know, a random assortment of affordable pedals this episode? And I think we're just going to start giving away pedals every episode. Yeah. Until, until, until we're out. Until we're out. Until they send us the next shipment of reverbs. <laughs> well, who knows? Maybe it'll be a self-feeding thing where it's like, oh, these guys give away pedals. Send them stuff to give yeah. them away. And we'll, um, always, we'll always have like a bucket of ridiculous, a trash can. We'll have a 50-gallon trash oh can gosh. full of gear to give away at any moment. And, of course, we'll be hitting up the, uh, you know, the uh, the Patreon funds for shipping and stuff like that. I was even thinking about maybe bringing back the wheel. Mm. I still have the wheel shelf. But like as a way of selecting the pedals, oh, like yeah, yeah, yeah. we pull, we pull Just a note, put ten random pedals on yeah. there, and then spin the wheel, and there we go, and yeah, you find out what what you're gonna get. Yep, I don't I, know that'll work. Yeah, anyway. so so stay tuned. Hopefully, I, I'm really really hoping that I have this all set up with the PO box at least the episode before our 400th episode, so that we can do like some massive giveaways on the 400th. I'm trying to figure out when that is. Well, this is the uh, 397th episode. Right. So we're going to... So in two weeks. Right. In two weeks, I have to have it all sorted out when we record in two weeks. Yeah. Wish me luck. I'm going to try my best. I've never set up a P.O. box before. How hard could it be? It's not hard. You just go in there and say, hey, I want a mailbox. Hey, I have money. Will you give me a place to receive letters please. technically it's not a po- if you go to ups it's not right a, it's not a p.o box because they give you and this is one of the reasons why ups is better which is you probably read about is it's actually considered a physical address mm. whereas a p.o box you're actually limited on what you can receive there because right. it, you're, it's going into like a government facility i've heard from other youtubers that if you get the ups box then like if someone does send you something big and you don't know that it's coming, then UPS will hold it there and just call you and be like, hey, you got something big. Yeah, yeah. So that, you know, there's a benefit to that. I'm not saying people should send us something big. We're literally just asking for letters and postcards. (laughs) But if, you know, some sort of delicious beverage arrived randomly from time to time. speaking of which. I I wouldn't be upset. We need to hit that later. Oh, do we have a delicious beverage? You do. Oh yeah, that Scott. We'll do that later. We'll yeah, do, next, we'll do episode. That next episode. Yeah. Um, you want to do? A, you want to do? A, Let's do uh, an ad. An ad. We're forty-four oh, minutes 40, into this. Oh, hey, hey, guys! Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Uh, <laughs> we I, just talked. It's been the most, great. The, the biggest joke on guitar internet. We just talked about tone for forty-five minutes. But you guys, you guys listen to a podcast just to hear your old friends on the internet talk right, to each other. So it doesn't matter. This is a amp thing. I don't really understand it. It's sent by Greg Dodd. It's a heel talk box. Is it a heel? I think he says it's Hel- Healy. Healy? Or Heli? Heil? It's not a Heil. Heli. Oh, Heli. it is Heli. Yeah. Talk box built into a Fender amp. Works awesome. I don't understand why. 
like this is a frontman 15G that was the photo was taken with a potato. It's very blurry. Um, <laughs> but they've taken a frontman 15G and they've gutted it. As far as we can tell, they've taken the speaker out because in one picture the front baffle is is yeah, tilted yeah. forwards and there's no speaker attached. And then they've installed a talk box inside of it and used little like kind of like woodworking clamps to hold it in. Yeah, and and then uh, it's apparently been hardwired into the amp, so it looks like is like if it if it's running through the amp, does that mean that that gives you gain and tone controls? I don't know for the talk There's box. Just so little, it just says it's built into a like Fender a, amp, and that it works awesome. And it's in Canada, of course. It's in uh, Canada. Hey, what's this all about? Um, <laughs> I don't understand the concept. Like, unless it is being run through the controls of the amp to give you tonal options. Like a talk box is already inconveniently big. Mm-hmm. And now you're just housing it in a bigger amp that doesn't have a speaker. Like I would, al- I would almost understand having it be like, oh hey, I need a talk box rig, and I want it to go to a separate amp, so I'm going to have it included in the amp. But then the amp doesn't have a speaker, so then what's the point? Like, I don't understand the point. <laughs> I understand them wanting to sell it because they probably put it together and they asked themselves the same thing. Uh, they're asking two fifty Canadian for it. In Saskatoon. Well, um, the, the, these talk boxes are $130 used, sometimes more. They're upcharging for an amp that doesn't have a speaker in it. And there's no description saying like, oh, hey, by the way, I I hardwired it into the amp so that you can apply gain and, and tone controls to it. I'm going to read the product manual. I don't understand what's going on here. Like does it use Steve? Steve has pulled up a PDF. He's going to read the product manual for the talk box. They're already kind of an inconvenient thing to run. <laughs> well, and it's also the thing where it's like you have to run it into its own amp head, right? But speaker output. So maybe that's what's going on here. But th- why wouldn't why would they put it in a amp that doesn't have a speaker if they're going to install it directly into an amp like? It does have to go into its own thing, or should at least. Like, talk boxes are notoriously, like, ungiggable rig sorts of things. Like, they they cause you to complicate your rig in a way that, you know, you didn't maybe intend to do when you were trying to chase that Frampton song. Frampton. I said Frampton. Frampton of the opera. (laughs) I want Peter Frampton to cover... A song from Phantom of the Opera, and he'll call it Frampton of the Opera, and it'll all be talk box. We're waiting for Steve to finish reading a PDF. Let's just decide that this is bonkers. Okay. So I understand now. The problem is, is that I don't understand how talk boxes work. The talk box is a speaker in a box that shoots the the sound up the tube and you hold the tube in your mouth mm-hmm. and then you manipulate the sound with your mouth so you can make vowel sounds and stuff and then you need to pick that sound up again with a microphone yeah yeah so then so, you run that microphone into another thing to to amplify it so this is just hardwired in so you, this is the amp 
Because you because you run your guitar into an amp head, and then you take the speaker out and you run the speaker out to the talk box. Right. That's what this is. That's all this is doing. So you're plugging your guitar into this amp, and then it's, but it's still overcomplicating it because the talk box already does all the work. Like you don't need it to be in an amp. Well, no, it just makes it more convenient because now it's all in one box. You don't have to like have your talk box in one place and your other thing. I guess what the issue is now you you need a like an AB switcher to go. But you still need a speaker. No, that is the speaker. Yeah, you need a speaker, but normally your talk box, the tube Like the way to do this correctly is to hack a microphone input into this. So you still have a speaker in this amp. You turn the input of the amp into an XLR input, or you get a cable that that turns into an to a quarter inch, and then the amp becomes the you know the loud box for the microphone that's returning to it, that's picking up the noises from your mouth from the tube. Yeah, but you still need something to drive the tube. But the, 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 I'm telling you, the speaker is inside the talk box. No, I know. So if the speaker's inside, so what? You, so then you. You need two amps. Oh. Because one amp drives the speaker that's in the talk box. So this the is the amp, amp that's driving the talk box. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And then, and then normally, like, your your microphone. Everyone, there's probably, like, 15 people out there who have owned talk boxes in the audience that figured this out before us and has it been screaming at us. But still, it's, it's stupid. Like, it's just so it's convenient. This could it be done better in one spot. This could be done better with like a little quilter, uh, like 45 watt power block amp. Sure. But then you can't carry it. When I, I'm pretty sure they make talk boxes that have their own built in powered amps. Yeah. Section there, too. there is a thing with, where the, but not the classic one. Not no, like no, this. no. Not the one that Peter Frampton used. Right. This is Peter Frampton's personal talk box. He owned this. He he put a spit in there himself. Like he spits a little bit in every single one that comes off the uh, production line. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> you yeah. Wanna, you want to just do another ad? Yeah, I do. This this episode is uh you know we're what, doing it what different. What do you got next? I got bass conversion next. You want to do bass do it. conversion next? Let's do bass conversion. We're just skipping next. what's new. Yeah, who cares? You know what's new? I went to Sweetwater. You're going to see a bunch of videos. Right. I don't know if Steve has anything new. Uh, I do, but I'll talk about it next week. Sure. It'll still be new next week. Yeah. It doesn't get old. Um, this was sent by Andy, Andy Harper. Oh, yeah. I wanted to, Okay, let's say it at the same time. By Andy, Andy Harper. Harper. Um, it wasn't as cool as I was hoping it yeah. would be. <laughs> it sounded like you wanted it to sound like Wally. <laughs> Andy Harper. Somebody says, uh, this, so this is a reposted from another group, Underdog Obscure, something or other. I just didn't have time to save all the photos of this guitar. Guy who was selling it deleted the post. Guess we were roasting him too much because of this. And th they took a Harley oh Benton face and like glued wings onto the headstock, basically. They didn't glue wings. What they did is they, like the Harley Benton, has its own headstock, which is, you know, kind of like the what cheap, you know, off-brand guitar companies do when they can't do the Fender headstock shape. They do yeah. like a swoosh that ends in a beak. Yeah. Well, this person took a chunk of wood mm -hmm. and was trying to turn it into a more traditional, like, big CBS-style Fender headstock. It looks like a joke, right? This is a joke. 
You don't think someone was serious? I don't think this. uh, The way it's. I think by the time by the time they cut it out and they matched it up to the headstock, they're like, "This is never going to look good." But I'm still, I'm committed. I'm going to try to make it happen, and I don't care how bad it looks. And it's it's freaking huge, man. Apparently, they were trying to get forty bucks for this. They they were trying Um, to convert a four string P bass sort of concept into a six string bass. Like a bass six or maybe a baritone or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Whatever strings they had. The whole thing's a disaster. Whatever strings they had in order to get them to... Um, <sighs> I'm zooming in. In order yeah, to they, get them in there, they had to like tie them up with other strings. If you're listening to the audio podcast right now, like I am, I am begging you to go click on the link in the description to look at these pictures because this is capital... All caps, bananas with dashes and oh, spaces in between. B-A-N-A-N-A-S? Yes. Exactly that. Like, the headstock is one thing. The last two strings on this guitar, on this bass, whatever uh-huh. you want to call it, they were, they didn't have strings long enough to reach the tuners, and so they tied strings together to yeah. reach the tuners. This. And then I think they realized after they did, they tied two strings, they, t- they rigged up two strings like this, but one of them still wasn't long enough, like, so they had to they had to cross the streams. They le- le- legitimately this, this is going to open a portal, right? This modified headstock is half the size of the bass guitar's body. Like I'm not exaggerating. It you is really, you really think it's I mean, huge? I, you, you, I guess you kind of got to do this on purpose. This no, this is not done on accident. This is like a prank or something. This is a joke for a show. I don't know. I don't believe that someone did this sincerely. We are being punked. Do you see what's poking out at the bottom of the first picture? That's what she said. There's a whammy bar stuck in somewhere. <laughs> we didn't. We can't even see it. It's, it's cropped off the side, but there's absolutely a strat whammy bar coming yeah. off the bridge they for some reason. Maybe they replaced the bridge because they needed a six-string bridge, and they slapped a strat bridge there. There's really, like, negative vibes coming from the background of these pictures, too. Like, this, like is, this is... This, these are cursed images. Like, Oh, my gosh. Like, if, if there was a normal guitar in this picture, I'd be like, oh, the house is just kind of messy. But because of this bass, like, everything in the background becomes more sinister. There's a <laughs> microphone. There's some headphones. Some sort of, like, off-brand. looks like a bass amp to me. Yeah. With a off-brand SM58 style thing. There's some... It's leaning on a table. Crumpled up, like, clothes or towels on the floor and random debris around. There's rugs that look like they're on top of cement. There's, like, a bloody bear trap. <laughs> um, there's a couple random Erlenmeyer flasks filled there's, with red right. liquid. There's, there's chains with human limbs locked into them, but we don't see if the limbs are attached to any. No, it's, it's, no, it's just like crawled in lipstick on the back wall. Do you want to play a game? <laughs> no, there's a really dark aura to this instrument. I don't, I, if this was spelled out in random letters clipped from a magazine. If, what, what's your favorite scary movie? <laughs> if this was local and it was listed for free, I wouldn't go. The strap looks decent. Oh yeah, okay, good good point on the strap. I can go yeah, check yeah. it out for the. No, I'm not going, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to meet the person that does this sort of thing. You know, there's a. I'm looking at this middle picture. 
and there's a large flash on the camera and normally with all that chrome you'd think you would cap, cap capture at least one glimpse of the person taking the photo but you don't it's a vampire because they're a vampire right <laughs> think you're on to something right vampire vampires have cool possessions they get mansions and cool old cars That's they just live in the movies in leather and and uh and and lace padded that's just pro vampire propaganda <laughs> coffins and stuff like that vampires don't haul around bass guitars that they've modified in bonkers way this says werewolf energy <laughs> this is a werewolf base oh for sure <laughs> we are getting in this in the spooky time of year yeah we yeah. should probably be gearing up for i mean is our 400th gonna line up with the halloween are we gonna have a spooky halloween 400th episode i don't know but if we do i'm gonna dress up as somebody who actually knows how to play the guitar <laughs> well you're not dressing up like me <laughs> All right. uh you want to do another ad yeah you want to do another uh sponsor let's do one more sponsor then we'll do one more ad and uh, we'll, we'll call it a show week's other sponsor is uh chase bliss audio have you seen those built guitars man that's that's all i want to talk about i'll put up screen right grabs here, up here built. I don't understand what's going on like above. Is that all the dip? They did all the dip switches. They're like with with a different style of switch. Yeah, they did all these fancy little switches. And Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, like the color, they look like a delicious popsicle. I think they made like seven of these things in different colors. Are they all moods? No, there's a different, I think it's a different pedal in each one. Okay. Uh, but I, Joel in Joel's post, he was like, you'd be surprised like how useful the mood one is. And I, I believe him like yeah. adding a mood to a guitar that you're playing and having those momentary buttons and like momentary mm-hmm. operations and stuff like that to like, like do little freak outs and stuff like that sounds fun. And the fact that all those dip switches are moved to the front now is honestly probably an ideal situation <laughs> for chase was because finally you don't have to like sit on the floor like craned over like reading the manual trying to figure out the switches you're there in real time holding your instrument like figuring them out so anyway really wild i don't think there's any like current new chase bliss products for us to promote at this time but go check out these guitars uh joel corte has them on his facebook profile i'm sure they're on the chase bliss social medias i'm sure they're on the uh the built guitars social medias and they are wild apparently they're going to do like a charity auction for them so ho- oh, okay hopefully they fetch a bunch of money for these wild guitars man built us cool stuff i if i can get somewhere someday where i i've thinned the herd enough mm-hmm. and i have some money sitting around i i might need to get a built someday oh apparently andy Oathling has one he's gonna like put it on twitch his twitch stream nice all right, so huge thanks to Chase Bliss Audio for continuing year in and year out to sponsor this nonsense that all of you enjoy for some reason and that we enjoy making. They are all moods. They're all moods. They're all moods. Every single one's a mood. All I, of them. I was under the impression off of my initial look at them like, oh, nope. there'll be different pedals. But they're all variations, they're on, all like the variations. Mood, on like the mood color scheme. Well, that makes sense. What's your favorite color out of that group, Steve? Um... That first one is my one. They all look really sharp, though. I do love that that built tail piece on the one a couple back. That one, this no, one, that one. I I feel like that's too much chrome for me. I like that though. 
I think this one's my favorite. I think the first one. The like orange. It's like an orange Antigua, yeah. which is funny because I usually am not really into Antigua. That, Sorry, Steven. That first one, I love the colors on it. I love the matched painted pit guard where this, it just yeah. looks like a popsicle. And usually I like more contrast, but there's something about th- that color that really this looks like a, a fruity alcoholic beverage. It, yeah, it looks like a tiki drink. Yep. Yeah. But I think that other one with the uh, the, the built hardware on it. That's yeah, and I think the solid color. I like that. All right, last ad, and then we'll call it a show. Uh, we were gonna do the double neck thing, right? Yeah, double neck. This is sent to us by Michael Krause. Yeah, and when I was at Sweetwater, one of the guys, like one mm-hmm. of like the you know the people in the offices with a high up position at Sweetwater had a double neck that was literally a Gibson SG melded together with a Yamaha base, and it was done really, really clean. Interesting. Yeah, I'll, I'll put a picture of that up really quick. This, on the other hand, is like a... This is not clean. Brian May-ish looking thing. One of my favorite details on here is the pit guard overlapping part of the hardtail strap bridge on the bottom guitar, Yeah, but then missing the back... Like they 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 put it all together and they're like, oh shoot, we put the bridge in the wrong place. So they had to move the bridge forward. <laughs> so like it messed up their entire pit guard design. Um, I don't know what this started as. Oh, apparently the bottom one is some kind of Dean. Yeah, or well, there's it has a, a Dean neck plate. There's a Dean neck neck plate for sure. Um, it's some sort of Gibson style guitar on the top. It's not a Gibson because the headstock is not Gibson. It's a, supposed to be a 12-string and a 6-string. You know, I believe that is a Dean headstock on the bottom. You still have your Dean over here? Your Dean, no. It's like a Dean Playmate? No, the, the Dean was in the fireplace, dude, like three years ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the top guitar is not even finished. Like, no bridge, no stop tail, no strings. The bottom guitar might be functional, um, I think they had a fair price in mind for this, if I remember correctly. Do I have a screen grab of the price? I thought it was... Oh, there it is. $99, and it sold. Yeah, it sold on someone, Facebook. Someone bought this for parts, for sure. I think that's, How a, many? that's a Dean neck, and I think the bottom body it was like them cutting out their own shape. Oh, okay. And they melded it to a cheap Les Paul special I want to know special why sort of there is just a random set of, of uh, black... Um, what's this freaking thing called? Man, they used too many screws on the pit guard. Look, they like riveted it. Like every two inches, there's a screw. <laughs> uh, there's two random uh thread posts for a for a tailpiece just at the bottom of the guitar. It's just there. Oh yeah. Like why? I didn't even catch that. Why indeed? What would be the purpose of that it's just there it's there to for you to jam your elbow on or something yeah because you know because there's not enough sharp blunt surfaces on this guitar for you to catch your arms on why and it's obviously intentional because they cut out a hole in the pick guard for it yeah were they intending to put a third neck on this somewhere? <laughs> it's going the other direction <laughs> that that doesn't make any sense like None of this, like every everything about this, is bad and wrong. I yeah, I, I hope I, that someone didn't pay ninety nine dollars for. It. I hope they they just 
Got it for free. Made it all. This is awful. I don't even want to look at it anymore. It does hurt to look at. I quit. <laughs> all right, guys. Hold uh, on, we got it. We got to play yeah, the song. Yeah, do the do the song stuff. If there, there's no housekeeping, right? We're all no, but if that. you'd like to support the show, head on over to Patreon.com, or for as little yeah. as a dollar a month, you can support the show. We are going to be giving away literally hundreds of pedals for probably about a year. We're going to need Patreon money to fund the shipping. It's going to cost us at least $8 per shipment. So that's us giving away pedals that we have, and it's costing us $8. If you want to be part of that, if you want to contribute to our efforts to distribute pedals, being a Patreon is one way to do that. Yep. Uh, podcast end song. Hey guys, here's an instrumental demo I recorded at the beginning of the pandemic. One of the few productive things I did after I got laid off. Oh, that sucks. Mm, sorry. Uh, for guitars, I used a Godan session and Music Man Stingray into a Dr. Z pres- Prescription Junior into a Fryat Power Station into some random cab IRs. Uh, bass was a Godan Shifter Classic. Someone likes Godan. Into my interface using a Sans Amp style plugin. If I remember right, I used a JHS Morning Glory for the guitar. I used a Caroline Meteor at the beginning. During the Moody Bridge section, I used a Walrus, Audio Julia, and an EHX Ocean 11. If you're into this and don't mind some screams, please check out my band Color in the Clouds on Spotify, Apple Music, Bandcamp, etc. That's Color with a U, the Canadian way. Thank you all for all the sweet, sweet content you put in the world. Oh, you're welcome. Uh, I've been a fan of the show for quite some time and the quality is always top notch. Well, we appreciate, the, we appreciate the lies as well. You sure you're listening to the right show? <laughs> Whoa. It's like a doomy Western.
What'd you think? It was fun. Like a cool, like spooky vibe to it. And like a bit of like a Western sort of thing. Like you could, I could like see that being, I always put things in soundtracks in my mind. Like I could see mm. that being used in some sort of, you know, like AMC, like drama, Western, you know, kind of, you know, rough around the collar, you know, hard big protagonist riding well, through. They have a lot of <laughs> the wasteland. They have like a lot of uh like eight releases on Camp. A lot of work. What do you think, Steve? I really enjoyed it. It really reminded I'm trying to I've been trying to place like what it reminds me of. Um because there were definitely definitely a lot of uh turn of the millennium. Mm. Uh like sunny day real estate mm, sure there's all there I, there are like a couple segments that really reminded me of like uh noise ratchet um he mentioned in the email that oh if you're okay with some screaming like and I, there were definitely like segments where i'm like i could hear like uh, uh some scream the, stuff the dude on. from like under oath vamping on top of mm. this kind of a thing so I, it was really cool sure i really liked it all right bye everyone stay grounded